receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 14. I think we're going to maybe breeze through these just a little bit uh, on these about the, what what they're to eat and what they're not to eat. But we'll go ahead and read them, uh, so so that way if anybody's got any questions, they can uh, they can ask any questions, and I'll answer them to the best of my ability. Uh, but uh, Brother Sam, if you'll read the first two verses, this is all your only shot. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any promise between your eyes for death. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord has chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Okay, the reason I want this read uh, by itself is because it's uh, talking about disfigurement. Uh, and and there's a lot of people who believe that because of what the Bible says about tattooing, uh, that uh, we 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 actually had a member that told everybody they was gonna go to hell. And every time he seen a tattoo on, he had grandkids with tattoos and everything else, and it caused quite a stir in the family when he went telling the, the grandkids they weren't gonna make it because they were marked. And uh, and so we got to understand that that's not what exactly the scripture is talking about. Uh, that uh, you know, when in the resurrection, uh, if you went, if you died with marks all over you, when you resurrect, there's going to be no marks, and whatever is not approved of God ain't going to be on you anymore. It's not going to keep a person from being saved, and it's not going to uh, cause a person to go to hell. But what will is is what he says here, the attitude that goes with it, because these people are cutting themselves and shaving their eyebrows. Uh, to false deities and false beliefs, to false gods. They were doing this for uh, for dead people. They were doing it for false gods. And so th that's where God draws the line. Now, uh, these people go out and go to get a tattoo for kicks. That's not worshiping a false god. I don't advise it, uh, but it's hard to keep. There's so many people doing it. It also mentions piercings and things like that here. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of a lot of our young people have piercings. A lot of uh, most of our women have piercings, and but uh, a lot of our men today have piercings too. So it's not talking about getting those things done. Although we may approve of them, we may not approve of them. But it, it's not anything that God's going to put you in hell for. Uh, but uh, if you do it to a false god, if you do it for a false worship, or you do it for the wrong reasons that are contradictory to what God uh, calls us to believe, now you're in trouble with God. Now it's become an issue with him. And he wanted these people uh, to know that he didn't want them to go in there because these nations that they were fixing to displace in their worship, that's what they did. And, uh, and so everything that they had marked on their body was to a deity, was to a false God, was for a, a, a false reason. And he wanted to make sure they didn't do these because his orders to them is to go in and annihilate these people, take down all the false altars, all the false god statues, all the groves, everything, even every tree that they worshipped under, to cut those things down. He wanted it all gone. He wanted it destroyed. He wanted every bit of it gone because he didn't want even a remnant of those false gods and those deities left. And why? Because it was going back to he knew that if they left any remnant of that, that it would poison his chosen people. 
And it did because they didn't get rid of all that stuff. And, and, and anybody that knows anything about the scripture knows that that's exactly what took place. They did and all these warnings. You know, God in his foreknowledge, how many believe that God knew beforehand they were going to fail? So I'm afraid so. He, he probably did. He didn't, you know, we, we got it in our head that he, he knows every move we're going to make. And he, you know, but he, if that was the truth, he, he, don't, he wouldn't allow us for freedom of, of choice. And we're the only creature that he created to give, that he gave a freedom to choose what they're going to believe. He, we're the only creature, the only creation that he made that he gave us a freedom to do that. And so for us to say that, uh, well, he knows uh, I, I, was, I was born and I was going to be saying I was going to be a preacher, that, that may be true and it may not be true. We have to watch when we make statements because if we're not careful, we'll give people who believe in predestination and the people that believe in predestination are people who believe that God already knows who's going to heaven. He knows who's going to hell. So if you're not going to heaven and, and, and you know it, then why worry about it? God already knows. Is that true? You know what predestined that uh, nation in the Bible means? Those who are lost are predetermined they're going to hell. That's the predetermination in the Bible. You know what the, uh, the other predestination is? Those that believe, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are going to heaven. They are guaranteed, they are sealed, they are predestined to go to heaven. That's what predestination in the Bible is talking about. It's not talking about God's already choosing before you was ever born whether you're going to be saved or not. Now, ain't that something? God's making us saved, lost. That's ridiculous. God didn't create us that way. He created us to fellowship with him, every single one of us. And that's what his desire is. So never get hung up with, and argue with a, with somebody who is stuck on predestination. Uh, the only thing that's predetermined, those that are lost going to hell, those that are saved going to heaven. That's predestination, plain and simple in the scripture. Any questions about that? There's a Polynesian island, New Zealand, that would uh, tattoo their their bodies from the time of birth till they die, and it told the story. Yeah, it tells their life story. It tells their life story. Okay. You can't, you can't. Uh, Judas was born to deceive Jesus from the very beginning. Uh, he was born, that was his predestination to do that. He didn't make a choice. He was born to fulfill that. If he hadn't, God had to found another way to achieve his goal. I, I, I understand what you're saying. God, you know, he, he's not already picked us out, but I do believe God knows when you're a baby what choice you're going to make. That's okay. predestination. You have to you have to understand God God chooses certain people to do certain things. He chose Moses. He spared Moses when all the other kids were being killed. But that, that is predestination. But he spared him for a purpose. He was born to a purpose. You can call it predestination if you want to. But but if you do that, the world takes a broader term and a broader look at predestination. God's not the one that's choosing. He, he chooses everybody. It's that once that you fits all. But do one. you believe that God knows what you're going to choose? No. You don't? No. So God don't know all. I didn't say that. I said God gives you the choice. Free will choice. And we have to be careful that we make God into what we want and we think God is. 
A lot of people say, okay, God never changes. No, really. Does God change his mind? Absolutely. Does that mean he's wrong? He repented. Does that mean he sinned? So we, we got to be careful how we look at things because sometimes we put we put we try to put God in a human element. Jesus Christ became human, but he didn't live like one of us. Okay? And so we have to be careful that we put God in this category that God already knows everybody's going to be saved and everybody's going to be lost. Because if you do that, you take away any freedom of choice, you take away anything for a preacher to work for, to strive for. If, if that's the case, what are we doing here? I mean, why are we here? Why waste our time if we already knows that? And so we can't, we can't, I don't think we can say, truly say that, that he knows those things ahead of time in advance. He knows the heart of man. He looks at your heart and he knows what you're thinking right now. But the Bible says that he's not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come unto repentance and to come unto his son. So that means that he knows that we have this choice to make, and it's yes or no to, to Christ. And so for us to say that he already knows what we're going to do, even if he could know, I don't think he chooses to. That's just like sin. Everybody, all right, we say, God cast our sin away as far as the east is, East is from the west. And then we say he remembers it no more. Does that mean God can't remember things? So what does it mean? He's not going to hold them against us. No, it means is he chooses not to remember those things against us. And, and I, I said it myself. We've all said, well, uh, we're not like God, so we can't forget. Well, God don't forget either. How could he forget? He's God. How, how could he forget? He chose to forget he chose not to bring it up. That's what we're not doing. We get it in for somebody and we say we forgive them, but we just don't forget because we keep bringing it up in our minds. Amen. We, we keep doing that to ourselves and we keep we just stir the pot and make it stink a little bit worse. And we say, oh, I forgave them. Oh, I forgave them. And we just keep on remembering, keep on bringing it up. Is, is, is that what God does? No, he chooses not to, so he don't. And he, he's right about Judas. When Judas uh, and Jesus on that last night, the Bible says Satan entered into Judas. Well, it says that Satan entered into Judas. It's scared that night that he betrayed Jesus Christ. He was the son of perdition. And Jesus Christ made, made mention later on that, Lord, I have uh, all I have brought all of these through except one, except the one. I'm not saying that, Brother Terry, he don't, that we don't have a choice. I'm saying he sees the future and the past, and he already knows what our choice is going to be. If it wasn't that way, he could not tell us that there's 144,000 that's going to be saved at the end of time. He knows that already. He knows who they are, and he knows they're going to be saved. He knows how many there are. They're predestined to be saved. Yeah, but they're going to the be marked. Are they marked already? We don't know that. We we don't. We have to be careful when we try to to look ahead and see. Yeah, I'm not I'm just No, I'm not. I know that. Yeah, because I mean, my thought would be on that too—that he didn't know what was going to happen. How could he know that there was going to be 
historically. You look at the book of Daniel and everything that happened in Daniel with the Medes and the Persians and all of those things that were given hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. Right. And said, you know, in the seven years that are still to happen. All of that is spelled out in here. If he didn't know, doesn't know what's going to happen, how would he be able to? But because he's chosen these numbers of people and these people out. He hadn't chosen everybody. He hadn't disqualified everybody, but he has chosen a number of people, a certain number of people. Does he know their names? I don't know. But I do know that these, like the 144,000, since you brought that up, if, if you believe in the rapture of the church and you believe that the Lord is going to rapture the church out of here, where's 144,000 Christians going to come from? They're, they're, they're all Jews, every one of them. Well, where are they going? who's going to tell them about Christ? Who's going to do They're all gone. All the Christians are gone. The the the, the thing that was holding the... The rapture's going to make him believe. Him. Well, that's possible, but I have a theory on that. You remember the Apostle Paul, how he got saved? How many people got saved like Paul did? Not one single one. He was the only one. And so how did he get saved? Jesus Christ himself came to him in a, as a spirit and as a blinding light and he spoke to him. He didn't do it. Paul wasn't seeking Christ, was he? Was Paul, we tell you you got to seek Christ if you're going to, he tells all of us that. Seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened unto you. Paul wasn't seeking Christ. Christ sought him. I tell y'all all the time, God ain't going to chase you down and pour his Holy Spirit out of... He did Paul. <laughs> he led him to, to Ananias, and then he got the Holy Spirit. But he was a chosen vessel. He picked him personally to be a, a missionary to suffer and bring salvation to the Gentile nations. He, he picked him for that sole purpose and he was not seeking Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and sought him and saved him. So how do you think 144,000 chosen Jews are going to be done? He's talking. Ah. But he picks us too. He, 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 he draws us. He draws There's a difference. There's a difference between drawing and picking. Okay? Because Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 44, no man can come unto me except the Father draw him and that's where we get to make our choice when we feel that do we come or do we not come and but if he comes to us in the middle of the night or we going down the highway and he just stopped everything around us all right this is jesus christ that you're kicking again i need you to go you're going to go do this for me okay <laughs> that's what he did to paul yep. the people around paul didn't even hear they they heard noises but they didn't even hear what was said they saw the light, but they didn't know what was said. It blinded Paul. It didn't even blind them. Because the Lord revealed himself to who he wanted to reveal himself to. But didn't but don't you feel that Paul has to live with what his past was? He did. He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners because of his past. He did. He said that. But he also said, I have to serve him. I have to serve Jesus Christ. I don't have a choice. He said that too. He said it is a necessity, is the way he put it. 
I'll read it to you. But he has to live. He lived. He had to live the rest of his days realizing what he did do and how he persecuted, persecuted the Christians. He did. He 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 not only did that, but but he also. And I'm not going to be able to find this. I know I'm not. Uh, well, I'm talking about, but he said that it was a necessity for him yeah. to be to have to, to obey the Lord because of his calling. Like the Lord didn't come in and like Paul would forget his past because it'd be unbearable. I know it's just hard for me to believe some of the things, and I use the word we used to do. Paul didn't forget his past because he told other people in his in his witness that he was doing those very things when he met Jesus Christ. He couldn't forget his past. He was forgiven for his past. And he knew that. He knew that past had been forgiven to him and that now, instead of killing Christians, he was witnessing for Jesus Christ to make converts. That's what we're all supposed to be doing. And Paul couldn't stop himself. Don't you think his testimony of what happened to him and how he was and how he is now would be a good witness to witness to other people? Look, look at me now, how I remember how I was. Yeah. Jesus can change you just like he did me. Yeah. I talked to a guy just here the other day, and he said, I can't believe you're a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother told me that. He said, I couldn't believe it when I heard you as a preacher. You got something past gave him incentive to do God's work. Yeah. It, it, it's a picture of what God can do. If He can save the Apostle Paul in what he was doing, the approval of murder, if He if, if, if He can save anybody, right? No, look what Moses did. Yeah, Moses was a murderer, and he he called it justifiable because he was doing something for God's people, but it wasn't justifiable. That stuff's never justifiable with God, but God forgave him and used him anyway. So, yeah, we don't got to chase some rabbits on this predestination. I didn't mean to get that started, but uh, but anyway, you can believe what you want to about it. I'm just telling you that the predestination, the true predestination is the is the destination of the believer and the non-believer. That is an absolute predestination. Those are going where he said they're going. Okay? And so we, we do have the, the choice that we get to make. Jesse made a choice here a few weeks ago. Amen. We got people right now that's trying to make choices and struggling and, and they hadn't come to grips with the, with whether they're going to say yes or no. Amen. And so it's our job to 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 promote Christ to them, to, to share scripture with them, to help to show them that there is a Lord, there is a Christ. That's what witness is all about. And, and if I thought for one minute, if I was going to go see somebody and the Lord already determined they wouldn't go, I'd be wasting my time. That's not what I'm saying. Well, I understand that. What, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is he's, he knows the future. He knows the past. It's, he knows what choices you're going to make. Well, the thing about him, he sees us all the time. There's never a time. See, he's on the present. It's all yeah. now to him. Everything's yeah. past, present. It's all... Do yeah, you remember the disciple that he called uh, Nathaniel, I think it was, that, that came to Jesus and he told Jesus, you know what Jesus said to him? I saw you when you was under that tree. Mm -hmm. 
And it just blew that guy's mind because he'd been under a tree and he knew he had. How did he know I was under a tree? He'd been here all the time. And he said, I saw you there. Jesus told Judas that. Yeah. He knew. I know it's you. Yeah, I know who you are. I know what you got to do. You know what you got to do, so go and do it. And the Bible says Satan entered him, and he did. So think about that. When when Jesus when Judas kissed Jesus, it was Satan in Judas that did it. But see, you know, that. like whenever Jesus actually did that, he knew what was happening. He did. And he knew what was supposed to happen, and he let it happen for a reason. Absolutely. And that's exactly what was supposed to come to terms. That's right. So and, and that's crazy that to actually think about. It, it is crazy. But, but the thing about it is, Jesus, although he knew it had to happen, because it was prophesied, and he was there, he knew that's what he was there for. He knew who he was. And what did he do? Did he try to get out of it? He let it happen. He did try to get out of it. He prayed, if in any way possible, let this cup pass him. Did he pray that prayer? He didn't want it to happen, because he was a man. And the, and the, and the carnal part of him did not want to give himself up that way. He won't die that way. And so he did ask the, the father, he said, if there's any other way, would you let this cup pass from me? He asked that three times, y'all. And knowing that that's what his job was, knowing that's what he came for. But what made what settled the argument? When, when, the, when he got no response from the father, he knew that answer was no. And when he got, he got no answer, because that was the only prayer Jesus ever prayed to the Father, he didn't get an answer to. Did, are y'all listening to me? When he didn't get an answer, he knew what the answer was. It was no. Silence. <laughs> and so he said, well, nevertheless, your will be done. I'll do it. And he did. And y'all, sometimes we pray and pray and pray want something done. We don't get an answer. What does that mean? Don't do that. No. So if you ever have that question, I keep praying and I don't get an answer. No. Wait. Or wait. And there's a lot of times it's wait. Okay. We we got to move on. My goodness. <laughs> somebody read to me about these dogs and cats we're not supposed to be eating. Uh, verses. Uh, let somebody read verses three through twenty-one. We'll go over that kind of quickly. You shall not eat, eat any detestable thing. These are animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the get, gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the mountain goat, the antelope, the mountain sheep. And you may eat every animal with cloven hooves, having the hooves split into two parts, and that choose a cud among the animals. Nevertheless, of those that you chew the cud and have chosen hooves, you shall not eat such as these, the camel, the hare, and the rock horrocks, for they chew the cut and do not have the chosen hooves. They are unclean for you. Also the swine is unclean for you because it is chosen, it has cloven hooves. Yet does not chew the cud. You shall not eat their flesh or touch their dead carcasses. These you may eat that are all in the waters. You may eat all that have vent and scales and whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. All clean birds you may eat, but those you shall not eat, the eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the red kite, the falcon, the kite after their kinds, and every raven after its kinds, 
The ushers, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after their kind. The little owl, the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, the carson, vulture, and the fisher owl, the stork, the heroine, after its kind. And after the hopi and the bat, also every creeping thing that fowls is unclean for you, they should not be eaten. You may eat all clean birds. You shall not eat anything that dies of itself, and you may give it to the alien who is within your gates, that he may eat it, or you may sell it to the foreigner, or you are a holy people to the Lord your God. All right. Oh, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Last line. <laughs> so he, he gives a great big who's who of what he did not want them to eat. Now, God laid down this law to him, and we could all say, well, why? Why can't they eat a pig? Uh, why can't they eat a camel? And now, how many of these animals are we allowed to eat today? Oh. Any of them we want to. But it was, it was not for them to eat because God was using these people, and he wanted them to learn obedience. He wanted them to learn what was clean and unclean in his eyes. What changed all that? The clean and the unclean. See, how many of y'all like catfish? How many of y'all like a good old fried catfish? Not here. If it don't got scales, you can't eat it. Amen? But we eat all that. Why? How come we eat all that stuff today? Because we're not under the law. Jesus changed that. Jesus fulfilled the law for one thing. But also when the, the Israelites questioned him, about eating the unclean thing. What did Jesus tell them? When I am blessed. That's what he told Peter that when the sheep was the unclean beast. But when they encountered him and he was doing his teaching, he, he, he told them that it was not what went into a man that defiled the man. But what came out of the man is what defiled the man. And he explained that to them. He said, everything you eat comes out in the drought. It means it don't stay in it, it goes out of your system. He was explaining that to them. Whatever you eat comes back out. So it's what comes out of your mouth that, that defiles you. And he was trying to teach us. For, he was fixing to change everything. Christ, and he did. Thank God he did. If he hadn't changed everything, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. But he changed everything. And everything he had was uh, doing was not just to do this, but one of the main reasons was is because he knew the Gentiles were fixing to become saved people. And he was trying to break the, the Israelites' ideas about what was clean and unclean because not only were these animals unclean, but these Gentiles were unclean. Amen? And that's why it's looked down right now today when we look at other people and say, well, they're not worth talking to. They're not worth saving. They're, they're scum. They're, and Jesus, what would Jesus think about our attitude toward that? Woo! He wouldn't like that none. Amen? He didn't go to the Pharisee's house. He, he didn't go to the high priest's house. Now, he went to church, but he didn't go pile around with them. Well, who did he pile around with? The sinners. <laughs> the ones everybody said, them sinners. I mean, he, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She, he cast seven devils out of her and she followed him everywhere he went after that. 
And look at today, they're still accusing him of, of, of having an affair with that woman. Come on. That's who Jesus, you know why? Because that's who needed him the most. We, Y'all, we got to be careful in the church. We, well, there's people out here that need him. And there's people out here that, that, that are, they're, they're, some of them are well-educated and they're kind of well-to-do, and it's hard to reach them because they, they're living an easier life. So where do you have the most success? And people are struggling. People are struggling with their health. People are struggling financially. People who are, are poor. People who, who have broken homes and people who have needs. And, and, and we look at that and say, man, I don't want to get involved in that. That's what the Lord wants us to do because he's got an answer for that. He's got salvation for these people. He wants them saved. He wants to give them a, a good life, a better life. Was it a life without controversy and without sin and easy? Mm. The abundant life is not that. The abundant life is knowing he is your savior. And he is the prince of peace and you have peace in your heart and in your soul because he's there. And everybody that's born unto a, a, a woman needs that. And it don't matter who they are. <laughs> I was, I was told teasingly one time uh, the church that I, I, I was going and I was kind of in support of spending it. And uh, I had a man in it, like I said, he was teasing. He said, well, you need to go out and, and witness some rich people. We need some rich people in this church for money. And I looked at him, just playing. I said, yeah, but I know. <laughs> but how many churches really do that? If you're not a doctor or a lawyer, they're not interested when you come to church. Man, that, that's... But who does Jesus go to? The, the downcast and those who are in great need. That's who he came for. That's who he came to. That's who he went. And we better get we better learn from that. Amen. Amen. He he's not willing that anybody should. He didn't want the rich man to, to, to perish, but he don't want the poor person to perish either. He wants some people that live under the bridge to know him. Amen. And I'm thankful we got ministers that go out there and, and witness, and they have church under those bridges and stuff. I'm cool. sorry, I can talk. I can talk to them people under them bridges. I can talk to them better than I can the rich people. <laughs> you know, you know what's that? Yeah. It's. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and and you know, there, there's families. There's huge families with lots of kids, and they're they're, they're struggling to make ends meet. The mom and dad both working, and the kids are they're trying to be in school and. There's a lot of pressure put on people. They need Jesus. Amen. Amen. They, they need somebody to, to bring them back down to the reality of what life is all about. Because we get we get carried away and we get focused on everything. And, and I don't know where John Jester is going to watch this or not, but I saw them on the first day of line of school. They found out that all their plan had just been thrown away. Their plan just shot. Now they was gonna take care of her, both of them working, and she gets out of school at 2.45, and they had it all laid out. And on the day they took her to school, they found out it wasn't gonna happen that way. And it freaked them out. And, and how many people are, are freaked out right now about, over these very issues right here? And we got a lot of people in this, in this country right now that are freaked out over a lot of things. It's cost of living sky high, wages ain't matching it. 
Everything you buy costs twice as much as it used to. Running them down the road is expensive anymore. You, you, you know, and, and we're adjusted to that. And if we're not careful, that's all that's focused on. And somebody has got to help folks focus on Christ. And that's our job. And you can say, well, that's your job, Brother Gary. It ain't just mine. It's every one of us's job. That job is for every one of us to be a witness and tell people, to, even in the midst of it. You know, the good thing about it, it costs us so much money to go somewhere. People are home a lot. It's a prime time. Say, Let me, well, let's kill some time. Let me tell you about Christ. Let me tell you, let's do this. Let's have this Bible study. Let's meet. Let's talk. And, and let people give the burdens that they're carrying right now to Jesus Christ. It'll make you feel better. Makes me feel does it make you feel better to burden, take your burden and give it to him? Does it? Really? Well, don't you think that's what they need to? To get that burden off of their shoulder? Give it to him. Get out there and, and get under a tree and cry for two, two or three hours. Y'all ever do that? I get out under one and scream every once in a while for that long. Help, helps me. It gets that frustration, that pent-up anger, that, that, that stuff that's just eating me alive. And they will tell you right quick, I don't do it enough. Amen. We need them. And Christ can provide that for us. So we're looking at all these animals and stuff and all these things. That And you know, I, I, one interesting thing in verse 21, you shall not any, eat anything that dies of itself. What does it say do with it? Give it to a stranger and let them eat it. You. <laughs> <laughs> you give it to a stranger, they can eat it, but you better not eat it. <laughs> it was a rule he made for his chosen people that he would allow the stranger to not go by. He wants them to be different. He wants them to be different. Yeah, well, he's he, he, on a mark. He wants to be out, a chosen. A, a, yeah, I think he did it for more than one reason. I think he did it because he wanted them to be different. He wanted them to act different. He wanted them to talk different. He wanted them to totally rely on him because the other ones didn't. It wasn't time for him them to go out and now he would accept the stranger. How would they accept the stranger as as Jews? They could make a, a Gentile a Jew. How? If they would allow them to circumcise, and then they had to obey the commandments like they did and worship like they did, they would become a Jew. They would adopt it. He always had a plan to adopt the stranger into the to Judaism. He always had a plan to adopt the stranger into his chosen people. I'm getting somewhere with this. Yeah, <laughs> Amen. And so he was getting them prepared even then. That thing that dies of itself, you're not going to eat it. You give it to that stranger over there. Now, when the Gentiles got saved in the book of Acts, they had a big debate over whether they needed to be circumcised. They just got in a knockdown drag out because they were eating food that wasn't supposed to be ate. They was eating food that had been sacrificed to idols. They weren't worshiping idols, but they'd been eating food. That, and, and he said, when they got to meet, they had this great big council at Jerusalem, and they, they come to the uh, the realization, no, tell them they, they don't have to do like we do. They don't have to be circumcised like we do. They're not Jewish people. It's not the law. They're not under the law. Amen? They finally figured, I think he's starting this real early. And them getting them prepared for that day. Well, that's what we're supposed to be as Christians, right? Act different. Don't be part of the world. Be different. Set, set out aside. 
That's right. Sanctified. We are supposed to be different. We're supposed to act different, talk different, do everything different. Same thing he's making them do, just a, a different. Yeah. It was just to one nation, one group of people, not to all groups of people like we are. Any questions about any of this? Y'all just don't eat that thing out of the Go give it to the strangers and let them eat it. But that's what that's what was going on here. He was, I think, he was starting real early, getting them. And, and, and look at this, give to the stranger in verse 21 that is in thy gates, that he may eat it, or thou mayest sell it to a, unto a, look at this, an alien. <laughs> it's not a space alien. It, mine does. Mine says alien. Well, I didn't say it was a space alien. But he was calling the people who weren't Jews not only strangers, he was calling them aliens. Okay, that's a that's where we get that word from, and and, and so anyway, anyway, <laughs> then, and then he goes for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. Now, why would he say that? Somebody must have been doing it. The 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 sacrificial animal had to be uh, a, a new. Baby of the first year couldn't be over a year old without spot or blemish. Uh, couldn't have uh, any sickness, any disease. And evidently, some of them were taking those newborns because those were the most perfect and sacrificed them. He said, I don't want that. And so he actually gave them a command to make sure they had already quit nursing before you start getting them ready to be that, that lamb of sacrifice. That's what he's talking about here. And so he didn't want them to do that. Okay, now we're going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about the great cardinal claim that nobody ever wants to talk about. And uh, and we're going to see things in the scripture that looks a little different than what, what you hear preached today. <laughs> okay? We're going to hear it. It's going to look a little different than what you hear. Now, y'all notice I don't, I don't preach on this. But I got we're going to do this study on this because we're doing, we're doing a Bible study as part of it. Uh, somebody read for me verses 22 through 29, please. Thou shalt truly tithe all of the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thine oil, and the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God has blessed thee, then thou shalt turn it into money, and bind up the money in thine hand, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul may lusteth after, for oxen, or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for for whatsoever thy soul desires, and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, thou and thine household. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, 
which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. Okay, so we, we find here about the tithe. What tithe, kind of tithe is he talking about here? Money? No, it's going to be. It could be. But he's talking about the first fruits of their crops. That uh, the, the Lord told them they wanted the first fruits of their animals. And he remember, when we studied uh, earlier, he even required the first fruit of the children. And he made a substitution for them that he would receive the first fruit of the animal instead of the child. God don't believe in child sacrifice. And so... Uh, that, so he, he did that. So he here he's talking about the increase of the seed or the fruits, the, uh, the yield of the crops that you set before the Lord. Uh, uh, and he and look at this. Now, we talked about this here a while back. He has designated a place for them to meet to do this. What's that a picture of? The church. Okay? The, the church is us. It's you and me. It is the body. But when he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, when we gather together is when we become the church. So the, the church is not the building. It's the gathering of the people. And he says, you need this. I want you to do it. And he, he, this ain't something new that Christ came up with. The Lord says right here, you're going to take this stuff to the place I tell you to take it to Amen. Whose church is this anyway? Whose people are we? We belong to him. And he tells us where to meet, when to meet, how to meet, and we better meet when he says so. Amen. So how did we get this Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and any other time? How did we get that? Oh, it's mad? Okay. So that means that you don't have to come on Sunday night, just Sunday morning? You don't have to come on Wednesday night, just this Sunday morning. I mean, why? Jesus went on on the Sabbath day. That was Saturday, by the way. So why do we come? Because he told his disciples something, his apostles something. He promised them something. He said, when you get the promise from my father, and my church is starting with you, you're going to make some rules. You're going to change some things. And whatsoever you do here, I'm going to do it in glory. He gave them the authority to do church and to have church. It's been delegated in this nation for hundreds of years that we meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Amen? Now, if you can't, does God understand? He sure does. He knows when the ox is in the ditch. He knows if you got a job, you can't get off in time to go to but he also knows when you just say, uh, hmm, I'm tired. I just ain't going to that. How many y'all ever, I mean, ever done that? <laughs> uh, don't raise your hand. Get your hand down. <laughs> or, or we could have got there in time. We just kind of drug around there. Now we got an excuse we can't make. You ever done that? Our, our Sunday, boy, I tell you, it's Sunday. Now, men need to understand this completely for everybody. Because we have a big Sunday night crowd, and we have a smaller uh, uh, Sunday morning crowd, and we have a smaller Sunday night crowd. I know what it feels like to go home and get your belly full and get that air conditioner cranked down and rear back, and next thing you know, you're snoring and 
my goodness, you wake up and oh, where's the time gone? Time to go back to church, but you won't go back to sleep, don't you? And some of you do. <laughs> you say, preacher, you're getting meddling now. That's what preachers do. But you know, here's the thing. How many of you expect me to be here? Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Do I have a right to expect you to be here? Why? It ain't, it, you don't come to church to please me. If you do, you come for the wrong reason. So who does want you here? That's why he had Paul write that down. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is. He wants us to be diligent. You know what that means? It means to try as hard as you can. Now, the Lord understands. He, he, he gave us an out. He said, with an ox is in the ditch, I understand that. But you don't want to shove that ox off in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all I got to say about that. We got to get back to the tithing. And so he said, he said, I want you to bring this to a designated place. Now, the Lord is a very understanding and reasonable God. He knew that some of these people are going to live a long ways from the designated place that he, because Jerusalem was going to later become the designated place at the temple of Jerusalem. They, they made an annual pilgrimage to this place. They made a lot of annual pilgrimages, but they made that one to that place because they wanted to worship together and sacrifice together and celebrate together. It was a big deal for them. And so he knew that that place was going to be a long ways because he was going to give them a whole nation, a whole country, and some of them was going to live a few hundred miles away. I don't know how big Israel is in, in size. But he also knew that I want you to bring your seed and your grain and all the excess and the, uh, stuff. So they were going to have to pack animals with all of this goods, and they were going to have to make this journey miles and miles and miles. And he, he, he knew that was unreasonable of him to expect him to do that because too much could happen in those journeys. And besides that, how many days it's going to take, what's that stuff going to look like when they get there with you? So what did he tell them they could do? Turn it into money. Sell it and bring the money and give it. But he didn't say give it to anybody. What did he say to do with it? Bring it. He said, look at it in verse 26. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. For oxen, or for sheep, or for wine, or for, boy, this time, boy, are you preaching that in the Baptist church? <laughs> or for whatsoever thy soul desire, and thou shalt eat thereof before the Lord thy God. See, this tithe that they brought was not just to, to give to the church. It was for them to celebrate with in front of God. It was for his glory, for his honor, for worship to him. It was for all these different reasons. But he also said, while you're doing this, I want you to let as many people as you can come and eat with you. Especially, guess who? Those Levites. Us preachers. I, I still I like fried chicken, y'all. <laughs> no. You don't even like fried anymore. <laughs> I know. But anyway, that's what he said. He said, he said, and thou shalt rejoice and thou and thine household and the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, 
for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. That's what he said. I want you to celebrate before me. I want you to, I want to witness you at the place I've designated. I'm, you know what? That's the reason. The place he's designated is the church. And I'm glad Revelation tells us that he walks in amongst the church. Amen. He calls the church the candlestick. And he said, I walk in the midst of my candlesticks. He, he, that's why when you walk in the door, people are supposed to feel him here because he's here. This is his church. Amen. And, and we are a part of helping people feel that. How, how are we a part of it? How can we be a part of it? I can tell you why. Because we are the temple. We are his dwelling place. And what they feel don't come out of these walls. Are you listening? What they feel comes out of you. It, it comes out of a smile. It comes out of a hug. It comes out of excitement. Man, we're glad to see you here. Come on in. Yeah. That's, that's where it comes from. And they think, wow, I like that feeling. I like the way those people make you feel. I like the excitement they have. I like when you walk in there and turn over to that. You ever been in one of them places? Boy, I have. I ain't lying. I walked into a church one time. Never been there before. And the door creaked and opened, and everybody just went. No smile. Nobody got up and said, Welcome. You sit back there and back. Okay. We, the Lord don't want that in His church. This is a place where people are to show and express the real and true joy of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have because he has saved us to the uttermost. He has filled our hearts. He dwells inside of us. He walks in us and we walk in him. He has forgiven us of all of our sins and he's written our name down in the last book of life. And if they don't make you happy, I don't know what should. We are to be grinning all the time. Amen. You know, I grin all the time. I told them fellow Don Hanners the other day, I said, I'm going to have a hard time getting that grin off my face. I said, we ain't going to put it on there. <laughs> Amen. We have, if anybody's got something to smile about, to be joyous about, to be, that don't mean that we can't be sick, feel bad, or, or, or have a bad day and be a little grumpy or once in a while. That's not what it's talking about. Was that joy? Nothing in this world can take that joy away from you. Amen? You know why? Because he makes us a promise. He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you all the time. Praise God. When you feel bad, he's right there. He knows. He, Brother Sam, he knows how you're hurting right now. He even knows what's hurting Doctors don't have a clue, but he does. But he knows those things. He also knows you put out an effort to be here. Amen? Amen. That's what you call diligently seeking God. Diligently obeying God. God is a God that wants us to do what he's told us to do. And when he does, he rewards us for that. And listen to me. He don't always reward us here. Now, we're going to get rewards over there. Did y'all know that? And not only are we going to get reward, we're going to get crowns. And I ain't got time. I ain't going over that with y'all right now, so y'all don't start on it. Okay. Did we read the rest of that chapter? We did? Okay. And so he said, now after three years, 
Thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year and shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and look at this, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come and shall eat and shall be satisfied, and the Lord thy God may bless thee in all thy work and all thy hand which thou doest. He wanted them to not only bring their storage of tithe, he wanted them to share it with the people around them. Now I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say this, y'all gonna get mad at me. That's all right, it won't be the last time you get mad at me. Unless you run me off. God didn't give us. I'm going to be careful here. We're not supposed to be a savings institution. God don't give us a storehouse to, it ain't a hoard house. It's a storehouse. When the New Testament church in the book of Acts was created, you know how what most of the people that got saved were? The people like we were talking about a while ago, the poor people, the people in great, the people that Christ had gone to, they, they're, they're the ones that had followed him, the gigantic crowds. And when he died and resurrected, they found out that he had risen again and that salvation, they went to come and and they went to listen to the apostles and the Lord went to saving their souls. And then there were some wealthier ones and you know what they did? They went to selling their houses and their land and bringing that money and giving it and laying it at the apostles' feet. What did they do with that money? For who? Oh, it was dilly-dallied out. It didn't go into a treasury. It wasn't like pulling teeth getting it. If you had a need and they had the money, you got it because you had a great need. I'm not talking about things you want. And who did they take care of the most? What, the, what were the first deacons called to do? to take care of the orphans and the widows and to make sure the food got distributed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Listen to me. Now that's one thing we've got goofed up right now. You say, well, wait a minute. You want to just open the coffers and throw it out? Because we have people coming in there all the time. You know where to believe them or not. I, no, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, though, you better take care of who's here. You better take care of who the Lord brought here. And you find somebody out there that's destitute, who's starving and need feed, don't you just throw up there and say, I'm going to pray for you. You help them. And the church ought to be willing to do the same thing. Amen. 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 Hey, listen, that's who we are. That's who he told us we are. When you get all together and you get this three-year gigantic accumulation, you get them widows, you get them Levites, you get those poor people, you get those uh, those orphans, and you bring them in here, you bring in all the strangers around, and you let them eat with you. Let them get some of what I blessed you with. Listen to me. That money we have here don't belong to us no more. That money we have here belongs to him because he's blessed us with an increase, and we give it back to him because that's what we want to do. God help us. Church, it just fall apart over the dollars and cents. 
God help us not to do that. Now, are we supposed to be good stewards? Yes, we are. Are we supposed to just light it and throw it up in the air and let it burn? No, we're not. But we're to use it for His glory. We're to help that stranger. We're to help that widow. We're to help that poor person that's in need. And you know what? We got a lot of people that's in need in our church that will never ever ask you for nothing. Amen. Amen. We need to find out. And just help them. Why? Because we love them. Because God loves them. Because he's given us an increase. And he wants us to share that with the stranger and the poor. And those who are less fortunate than we are. He wants us to do that. Amen. That's all I got. That's all I better say about that. Y'all we're gonna be in chapter 18. I just knew we were gonna get to uh, no chapter 17. 16. Where am I? Who am I? My name is Gary Tilly. Chapter 16. 15. 1 5. I got you. The year of release. Okay, I got you. What is that date? Today's date. That's going to be the 24th. I would like to tell y'all I'm not like this all the time, but I am. So. They didn't know it when they, when they called me here. <laughs> All mixed up. I love y'all. I hope y'all learned something from tonight. The Old Testament's got a lot to tell us. And I want to go ahead and tell y'all. I made a decision, and, uh, and I prayed about it. I told a couple of people, but you know, I told y'all when we first started this, this Bible study that we were going to go from Genesis and go all the way through Revelation. Well, I, the Lord showed me I ain't going to live that long. <laughs> so uh, we're in Deuteronomy now. We're, we're at the point where we're getting the law. This is the law. The, the, the five books of Moses wrote is the, is the Levitical law. It, it's all in there. Now it did change a little bit. It gets more added to over the years. But this is the law that was, that was continuously brought up in the days of Christ. It was the greatest part of conflict that it was besides him saying he was God's son. The second part was that he told them he was fulfilling this law and, and they didn't accept that. And so what I want to do after we get through with, uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, I'd like for us to go into the Gospels and start studying the effect that this law had in the days of Christ and what we still deal with today and people's confusion over what thus says the Old Testament, what thus says the New Testament. We want to address those things in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Because the Bible says that the Gospel, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is what we're saved by. Amen? So all these letters of Paul and all these letters of Peter and John and Titus and Jude and all of James, these people wrote letters too, but they were addressed to churches with issues. The gospel is where they became churches through salvation. So we want to get into the what the law brought to them. The law was all about bringing Christ to them so he could fulfill that law. And once we get through the Deuteronomy, 
I'd like to go right into the Gospels and we'll begin our study under the Gospels. And it's going to get slower than this. Amen. Because there's a lot there. And a lot of the times the Gospels, and the, like especially, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell the same thing. So we'll try not to get hung up on repeat, repetitive over and over in the same thing. And then you got to the book of John where there's only one or two things he said had anything to do with the rest of them. And he was all by himself out there. And, and I want to really focus uh, on the Gospels and what the, the red letters especially, what, what the Lord himself said. Because he, you remember what he told them? He said, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will be able to remember my words. And I'm glad we got them red lettered like that so we can know those were his words because that's what he told them. He wanted them to remember. But you know what was strange? When Peter preached at the day of Pentecost, the first subject he preached out of was out of the book of Joel. Amen? Old Testament. And you think about, well, he preached a quote that the Holy Spirit had given Joel. When you think about it, that's red letter. Because <laughs> the Lord had given it to him. And it was there. And so anyway, that's just me blabbing. Anyway, thank y'all for being here tonight. And I hope that you continue to get to come on Wednesday night. And, uh, and uh, these things like this are kind of hard to teach really uh, and then if we had got off on predestination we would have got another chapter <laughs> <laughs> no I'm sorry I'm just kidding but anyway it, it's good to talk about these things and reason these things y'all listen to me we may not all agree on everything but uh, what that sign mean you saw tonight uh, we don't have to agree on everything but we need to remember one thing he's always right That's yeah. okay and we're supposed to find the truth in all that. So we, we, we don't have to agree on the way everything is going to happen. We just need to agree that it's going to happen that, that way. Okay? We'll just stand. What said that you don't have opinion when it comes to sin? Yeah. Yeah, the Bible says it's sin. You don't have an opinion. That's what we read. When we come up here. Anyway, the world tells us we do. We don't. Amen. Miss <coughs> Melissa, would you dismiss us, please? Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together as your people, Father, and study your words so that we would know more about what you have for us in our life, Father. We thank you for the time that you've allowed us to be together. We thank you for Brother Gary and the time that he has spent studying to, to show us and teach each of us. Father, I pray that you just take each of us from here today and home to our home safely and build a hedgerow around each of our homes and keep safe from any, any hardship from our lives. And as this is the most precious of home, Amen. Amen. Amen.